calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Sarah and B is kind of like the weird Hippie. like lesbian like yeah. enclave where yeah. there's a lot of um, cheese that you can buy that's not refrigerated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a very... Um, that's how you know it's a lesbian yeah. enclave. Like, <laughs> if there's lesbians, key there's, indicator. Yeah, there's raw dairy. I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together. See what it's all about. Ducking out, ducking out, ducking out, ducking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's been bringing you messy dyke content for 100 episodes. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Sarah York. And today is extra special, uh, not just because it's our 100th episode, but because we are sitting here with the notorious, the one and only <laughs> bisexual daikon, <laughs> Margaret Cho. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Congratulations Thank you. on 100. Thank you. I know. It's, it's amazing. Very, it literally just happened to work out that you are 100th one. It's That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of podcasts, you have a podcast out right now called The Margaret Cho. Yes. Where you interview people that... We interview people that people know, such as uh, Jonathan Venice. Yeah. Yes. And then people uh, that you should know, like amazing um, comedian and... Uh, all around amazing girl, um, Robin Tran. She's a trans woman. Yes, she's a comedian. Yeah. She's hilarious. She's new of the new breed of children comedians. Yeah, I yes. love that. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your first podcast, right? You've had yeah. podcasts before. I was. Uh, I did a podcast at the very dawn of podcasting in 2012. Mm-hmm. So everything was very different. It was like you know, uh, you know, we wouldn't have like a website. We would have like rock paintings that would show like yeah, yeah. all of the like the show notes uh-huh. and stuff. So it was a very long time ago because podcasting was so it was just so different. 
I yeah. think now it's, of course, really a very, very exploding industry. But back then it was quite different. But I, I, I enjoyed the process. Yeah. So, and it's still a lot of the basics are the same. So I love yeah. that. You just weren't rolling in that Squarespace cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like a very different thing. But uh, and we, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have any of the um, kind of like the, the structure that... Um, or the place we sort of just did on SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. Set it out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I first saw you do stand up when, I mean, other than TV, but I saw you live when you came to my college on your state of emergency tour. Oh, wow. And you had a joke that I remembered forever because it was like the first time someone had made like a relevant queer joke that uh-huh. I was like, I get that. <laughs> and it, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it was you saying that you wanted to go down on Beyonce until uh, you got TMJ. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was great. Yeah. Uh, but what was crazy about that, I mean, that was a time still, mm-hmm. you had some out female comics, yeah. but they weren't making jokes like that. Right. Like right. they weren't talking about their sex lives. They right. weren't talking about desire for for Mm -hmm. same sex Mm -hmm. and you were out there really at the forefront doing that and that was so cool it's good I think that there was a kind of thing of like um with queer comedy that some some of it was really about uh, I remember like being in a generation where we want to be considered equal to um the straight comics Mm -hmm. right and so part of that was almost a neutralization of politics of gender of ideas in, 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 in the same way, it was kind of like there was a feeling around when I was starting about Asian American comics, we just want to be known as comics. So we didn't talk about race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, there was, a, I think that's a fallacy. I think it's like, it, there was a time where we thought that we could uh, gain power by uh, mimicry mm-hmm. of the um, straight white establishment. But in truth, real power comes from being able to talk about your experience from where it is and where you are. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a de- definite, like, shift in sort of the way that we viewed ourselves in comedy. I mean, queer comedy has always been a thing. It's always existed. Sure. It's always existed alongside drag, mm-hmm. alongside um, all of the politics, because we needed to laugh in right. order to get through, to get over. And and so humor has been a great um, and a very, very important uh motivator to get us through. So it's interesting to to now kind of be in comedy for as long as I have and see all of the changes that we've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like now queer comics are a lot more comfortable, obviously, in talking about their lives and talking about their sex lives and what's going on, but still getting this backlash from straight comics who are like, well, why do you have to talk about that? Yeah. As Mm -hmm. if that's like a, a, accessory to our lives and not a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Like just the way that they'll talk about a man will talk about his wife. Right. If I talk about my wife, then all of a sudden I'm like a gay comic yeah. Yeah. and I'm only getting booked in gay rooms yeah. and that's the only people I appeal to. And It's almost as a way of them. They're trying to sort of be the gatekeeper of what real comedy is. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's not viable. That yeah. doesn't work because it's like male comics are so 
easily swayed into becoming very misogynist, very uh, sexist, very racist, very homophobic. And then they're looked at as being like so brave. Yeah, yeah or edgy. <laughs> I love edgy. the word edgy in that context. Edgy. Uh. And like, it's like, <laughs> it's not really like that. You know, it's just like, you're actually going backwards. You're yeah. actually regressing and not anywhere near the edge. Yeah. I mean, you're so in the middle if you do that. So to me, that that seems actually like a not very brave way to be, but they think it's really brave. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's so dumb. <laughs> they think it's brave for them to make jokes about trans people, but not mm. for trans people to talk about their own experiences. Right, right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like the the real uh, like danger is for us to think that we're post-homophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that we're post-racial um, hatred. We're, we're right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're actually getting, we're actually as a society going backwards ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's been made... So clear. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy how many people were just unaware of how much racism, I mean, how how much white people were unaware of the racism that other people face because people were more quiet about it and directing it straight at minorities rather than now they yell it through a megaphone. Right. Right. And we're like, hey. Yeah, 2016 was a big year for white people realizing that racism is is a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wait a minute, what is this? (laughs) Yeah, that whole thing of like splaining, like explaining, like white splaining, mansplaining, Mm -hmm. that whole thing is like very, it's so funny because even like we who get explained too didn't have words for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when you name things and put words to them, then you realize like, oh, they exist. And then, right. then it grows in your mind and you realize, oh, these things happen so many times. And then you start yeah. hearing the dog whistles everywhere. Yeah. yeah. That's a big one. Man, I overheard this guy talking about his film school experience the other day. And he was like, what I hated about it is they made it seem like cis white men are the enemy. And I'm like, I bet you 100% they were just saying diversity is important. Yeah. And in yeah. your mind, you're right. like, this is a threat. Right. I'm right. They think I'm bad. Like, yeah. There oh. must be some sort of like cereal box decoder pen in their brains that like turns certain words into like, oh, it's all about I'm me. I'm the victim. Yes. I'm the victim now. Yeah. And it's no, sold at comic Kyle. book stores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like on with like the rare comic books. There's like, although yeah. all the comic books that are in plastic, there's those decoder rings. Yeah. It's really crazy though. That that thing of like it, you know um, the patriarchy dying and them taking it really personally yeah and it's like well what what does that even mean like you know it's yeah. like you it's so dumb mm-hmm. it's just really it's really crazy kind of along those same lines I did want to ask you about your time living in Peachtree City mm-hmm. uh, just because I I used to live in Atlanta and my mom okay. lived like one town over from Peachtree City mm-hmm. and I mean it's an interesting place to be. And it's when I, I remember learning that you lived there when I was in Atlanta, I'm like, what a weird place. It's weird. Well, to we live just um, once you go OTP, the yeah, cultural differences it's, are it's so crazy. weird. And yeah. then, um, like, uh, you know, Serenby is like the one place that it's kind of okay. Serenby is kind of like the weird, Hippie. like, lesbian, like, yeah. enclave where yeah. there's a lot of um, cheese that you can buy that's not refrigerated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a very um, that's how you know it's a lesbian yeah. enclave. Like, <laughs> I mean, if there's lesbians, key there's indicator, yeah, there's raw dairy, and it's really, um, it, yeah, that was like the one place that you could sort of pretend like hey, I'm off the grid and I'm living out mm-hmm. here with all this art- artisanal like cheese and all this stuff, you know, but it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not really like a community that is, uh, 
very close to like the other the other places are very conservative. Yeah. They're really um there was one barbecue place I went and it was um weird because on the walls there were the people, the family that owned the barbecue, and they were all wearing white gowns and they were like okay. uh, there was like a hundred of them. Mm. And they're in these white gowns and it was like and two people started this. And it was like, well, you had all these children? Like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? Like, it was like weird, like, you know, like almost like the Wicker Man, you know, where you go and there's these like weird pagan rites that people do. It yeah. was like that. But it was like very, very nice people. Yeah. Very helpful. But at the same time, like when I, I, I heard that one restaurant was a gay bar. So I called to find out and they were so offended. And then I, I they're like, no, 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 it's not a gay bar. And then I, I asked some of the people that live there and they're like, oh, well, the local gays have just agreed to go there. It's not actually a gay bar, but it, we just decided that right. that's going to be the place that we go to be seen as gay. It's like gay day at Disney. Yeah. 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 Pick one day and I'll descend on it. We get a it. day yeah. and then we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the thing of like, but to be insulted that I'm asking. Right. Yeah. Is really like, like that defensive. Like it's very, it's suspect. Huh. And so I I didn't like living there. I, I, eventually, I eventually moved to... Um, uh, like Highland in yeah yeah Virginia Highlands because I I would rather commute than live in an environment like that mm-hmm. for sure yeah. yeah anytime that I went to go see my mom I just felt a little bit nervous mm-hmm. just yeah. looking around and being like oh these people would hate me they oh, would yeah. hate me so much but Atlanta itself is very gay yeah and I felt very comfortable being out yeah. in Atlanta mm-hmm. but then yeah once you got outside that perimeter it was crazy did you ever go to Stone Mountain yes yes yeah did you go for the laser show? I didn't go to the laser <laughs> shows. No, I just went like for like hikes, which is super like very, uh, that's a very Southern kind of thing to do, I think. But, but I didn't go to the laser show. Yeah, the laser show. They have this laser show at Stone Mountain that it's, at first it's just like jock jams and lasers mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, See, I think this that is would cool. be where all the lesbians would go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. I would just, I mean, follow yes. the jock jams. <laughs> yeah. Just roll down your windows and follow the sounds. And then... At the end, because they have the Confederate generals etched into the side of the mountain. Oh, no. They oh, okay. take the lasers and they animate mm. with lasers these generals. And then they play like the battle hymn of the Republic. Yeah, yeah. And like people stand up and put their hands over their heart. Oh, no way. And That's all terrifying. of a sudden we all looked around. And we're like, so we creepy. need to get yeah, out of here. Get we need to get out of here. That's right so now. creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it went from like family fun and, and lasers wow, to the just laser, like. The laser show took a, a short turn. to the south. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's a weird the weirdness <laughs> of like the stars and bars mentality there. Yeah, I the only time that I really felt scared was um, I went to uh, Leonard Skinner and Kid Rock, so big show. Oh, and um, I went out and I was I was actually uh, I, I was walking out around like in the lawn area. I saw seven different people bleeding from different areas. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, maybe one person was, like, internally bleeding and right. I didn't see. But, uh, and this man kept following me going, hey, I know you. You work at Buffalo Wild Wings. And he wouldn't leave me alone. And he goes, I know that you work at my Buffalo My Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> like, he was, like, really insistent. And I was like, I had to actually go backstage because I was like, I can't. No. I can't. That's enough. Oh, my That's God. That's enough but of the show. It was really yeah. crazy. Um, but, you know, they were uh, stars and bars. Everybody was wearing them. Yeah. And, um... They're like hassling. Uh, they're hassling like the the security guards. Quite a few of them were black guys, you know. And they're uh-huh. like hassling security guards, and it's just like 
this is like a really unpleasant yeah. thing. Yeah. Like they're just really taking this way too far. You know, you felt the hostile rage. And this was even before MAGA. This is, yeah. this yeah. is like in 2014. Yeah. But it's so easy to see how, how quickly and easily those, those people get emboldened and get riled yeah. up by leadership now. Yeah. Like that's the scary part is this, these people have always been there. They've just been right. sort of simmering under the surface and we haven't been that tuned into it especially people who don't live regionally where these people are exactly yeah but they're everywhere so true yeah so true well let's get into our topic now uh because (laughs) speaking of the south where um my mom is the one who brought me down to atlanta i was Mm -hmm. looking for jobs after college and she's like come down here and i'm like no way and then i found a job i'm like okay i guess i have to go here (laughs) uh but yeah we're here to talk about moms which margaret is something that uh you talk about Mm -hmm. in your stand-up a lot Mm -hmm. and has been a big part of your career uh did you like immediately when when you started like go to that place of like this is rich for comedy well i think that it's a very asian american thing to make fun of your mom because it's like (laughs) we are so uh, embarrassed because our parents are so foreign and we're like so desperately trying to be american that there our parents foreignness is like deeply disturbing to us so that's kind of the first like jokes that we make is Mm -hmm. like making fun of our parents because like shows that we're different we're not like that and so my impression of my mom kind of grew out of that and in my comedy i think the uh, it's the voice of my Asianness, and it's she's also just a funny person, and it's also like this thing of um, women having a voice in my family because it's such a male-dominated. Um, Koreans are very like it's a very patriarchal yeah. society to the point of like when you are um, a woman, you don't even necessarily have a name. You have a name in that you ha- who your son is, like so you're okay. somebody's mom. Yeah. Or um, you're somebody's wife, but you don't have a name. So, like, it's like an honorifics thing. So, it's supposed to be, like, sort of a respectful name, but it's actually not because it's, like, only, only like, just reminding you of your place in the family. Yeah. yeah. So, it's that kind of thing of, like, your, your name is actually just the, the male that you're closest to in relation. Wow. So, it's, that's kind of the, the feeling throughout the family. And um, so, it's nice to actually have that, that my mother's voice throughout my comedy because she gets a lot of attention there. Yeah. She gets to really shine. And does she like that? She's like, I like because I'm actually a star. <laughs> you know that I'm, it's actually all, all me. And it's, the, the what's fun about her is like that she does talk like that and then she's like <laughs> always giving me notes like, well, I don't think that you do that because you do exaggerate too much. I don't do that. They do, do, do too much. So, like, that's the funnest thing of, like, uh-huh. her uh, her commenting on how wrong I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. that's great. So she loves it. She does love it. And uh, it's like, uh, I think that it is like a kind of recognition that a lot of the women in my family didn't get. So that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. My mom also likes when I talk about her and her stand-up or in my stand-up. Uh, but I think it's because I talk about a lot of things she forgets that she said. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, she'll s- tell me things when she's a little wine drunk. Oh, I love that. And then I'm <laughs> like, this is, uh, like, every once in a while, my mom will try to relate to me being gay by telling me about the one time her and her friend Patty did something. Uh, and I usually We're not s- sure what. Stop Ooh. her. <laughs> Ooh. It, 
so she, yeah, she'll she'll try to bring that up, and I'm like, stop! I don't want to hear about it. You, yeah, we don't need to bomb this way. I would and, like to hear to hear the full story from her. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm gonna give well, her a bottle of like yeah. Irish yeah. Moscato. <laughs> you know, figure this out. No, the the <laughs> last time she started talking about it, I'm like, mom, you can stop. You've told me this before, and she's like, no, I haven't. I'm like, I have a video of me doing stand up about the fact that you keep trying to tell yeah. me about uh. you and your friend Patty, and she's like, what? And I showed it to her. I'm like, yes, and she thought. It was was so funny, but uh, also yeah. I'm like, yeah, if you're going to keep saying silly things when, when you're drunk. Right. What happened with her and Patty is that they passed an ice cube between them. Between their mouths? Between their mouths. Wow. In front of That's actually my a, dad a, and a her husband. That's pretty intimate. Yeah. yeah. But it was for it was, their husband. Oh, it was oh, for okay. the male gaze. For okay, the male well, gaze, yeah. That doesn't yeah. count that. Well, I mean, it does <laughs> yeah. count in a way, but it's also kind of like, um, but it's cute. I think that's mm-hmm. cute. Yeah, yeah, she also likes to talk about how beautiful Patty was and has like an artful nude of her. So. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's a special relationship. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. That's that my great. mom has there. Yeah. But she's definitely embracing her queerness in that way. That's cool. Yeah. 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 I think my mom, in terms of me being queer, like she was great when I came out. Um, she was a little bit surprised. And even though I like never had a boyfriend that I oh. was into, mm-hmm. like I never did more than hold hands with a boy. Mm-hmm. And she just acted like, I thought you were so into boys. And I'm like, my bedroom is like full of Madonna's nipples. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and like only... Only the um, teen hunky actors with like long hair, like yeah. Devin Sawa. Oh like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like Devin Sawa butch. was like a hot soft butch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. definitely. Yeah. And like '90s Leo DiCaprio was like the hottest lesbian. Yeah, ever. definitely. Yeah, like yeah. a lesbian <laughs> tennis instructor. Yes. Yeah. And now that's the aesthetic, like in Brooklyn, of all the like 24 year old soft butch w- women is yeah. like. Leo, right when he got cast in Titanic, is like yeah. the ultimate aesthetic to go for. That's yeah, perfect. That's back. <laughs> I love great. that. Yeah, that's why we loved him so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom is very, I'm from Nebraska, so I'm from not a, I'm from a very neutral part of the country in so many ways. Like this, the smack in the middle of the country, there's no regional dialect. There's really nothing particularly special about anything. It's all just sort of, we're just sort of there. Mm-hmm. And, but, she, but so there's, you know, there's a conservative element to it. But my mom is like, she's like an atheist, a bleeding heart liberal, like yeah. all of the above. And I think that she has like wielded my queerness as like cool points for her. Mm-hmm. Like she, it's like a social status thing now with her and her friends. Like, well, I have a gay daughter and she lives in New York. And like, she, <laughs> like when she, she used to work at some, some place and they, she told me once that she was having lunch with like the couple of other ladies who have gay kids who get it, you know, and they were just kind of <laughs> like, nice. like, they sat at the cool table. Yeah. That's cute. <laughs> I, love, I love that. Yeah. I love it too. I like that. I can, I can sort of get her points, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's wonderful. She, uh, she's like semi-retired. So she drives an Uber now in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And she uses it as like a like a recruiting tool for us to get listeners. So she always plays the podcast, oh, that's nice. and she tells everyone, and she texts me every single time. Uh, she uses like the lingo, and she's like, "I found a baby gay. She's actually in her forties, believe it or not, but now she's a big fan of the podcast. So I'm like, you're great. Thank that's you so, so nice. I know she's the best. That's great. She's such a hype man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah." Being bisexual, was that harder for, for your parents to wrap their head around that yeah. coming out as gay? That's the hardest thing. Yeah. They don't believe it. And they also, they, like, they can accept gay and they can accept straight. Uh-huh. But the bi thing, they really, they don't think it's real. Yeah. And they're like, this is not, they, they're just, <laughs> they're like very like concerned. But then they're, you know, they just, um, 
I guess because it is it is a hard thing for people to kind of grasp, you know, like even in queer circles, it's kind of oh, this for sure. very suspicious yeah. thing of like, yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Like, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, the duality is something that, well, and I think it's, it's also, a, I don't think it's the right word. I think there's more than two genders, so you can't yeah. say yeah, bye. Yeah. But it's, it's also, you know, just the only thing that we have. I guess you could say pansexual. Yeah. But that, to me, is much, it's, that's very Wiccan. Yeah. yeah, and druid. I don't know why. I'm not, like putting all of these like weird like. It does feel like there should be candles lit in the room if you're talking about yeah, being pansexual. Yeah, I'm playing yeah. a flute of some kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very, um, you know, for some reason I look at that as being kind of uh, a, a. It's the 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 name is Twee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I'm sure it's actually more appropriate. So I, I'm not sure, but bisexuality is something that's very hard for people to kind of even get their get their mind around that it actually exists. Mm-hmm. And that not you're going to come out at some point. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the, the weird pupa stage yeah, of yeah. gayness where you're yeah. not fully, uh, you know, emerging. It feels like sometimes people think it's sort of a holding pattern until you, um, you know, finally are just like, I'm gay. Yeah. You know, like you have to pick one Well, because one it is yeah. that for, sometimes for some people it for, is. For yeah. people. Yes, um, yes. I was bisexual for, I think, 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. in that time, Yeah, I for was me like, it was like two hours. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, think I, I think I like guys too. Nope. And then, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, did you come out to you, your mom or your dad first? Uh, both of them. Uh, both of okay. them. And they were like, and then, and then I have to keep, you have to keep coming out every time uh, yeah. you're in a different relationship. You have to, do you remember because we did, so we went to therapy and you remember, and, and I think that they're just sort of like, this is going to be, you know, this will be the time where she says like, you're going to, you know, this is like, now this is going to be the time that you really stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like I, they think if I'm like going to another relationship with somebody of a different gender that I've given up. Oh, okay. So it's like, you're kind of concerned. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's something that they just, they just can't. Because it's like their um, identities are so fixed, uh-huh. you know, and also in our culture, our identity is so fixed that it's almost like it goes sort of against cultural norms of anything. It's not even like that because Koreans also very homophobic, too. Yeah. But then I think it's because it's a segregated culture. Yeah. Like yeah. the men are encouraged to go with the men. The women are encouraged to go with the women. And so you're sort of in these same sex places all the time. Yeah. So that homosexuality is a big taboo because the closeness is so ingrained in our relationships uh-huh. that it's like we have to have one boundary of like set that boundary of homophobia is going to keep it from tipping over the edge. Yeah. yeah. So it's very, it's a, it's an interesting culture if you think about like the, the um the depth of the emotions that go through like all of the relationships between people of the same sex. Yeah. It's very trippy. It is interesting though that uh if they if they like things fixed rather than except that you're always bisexual yes. to think that you're either straight or gay yes. and constantly flipping back and forth <laughs> yeah. between the yeah. two. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's very, it's, it's ironic. I mean, but yeah. it's like the, the, that my bisexuality is fixed can't even, even they can't comprehend it all. Yeah. It's very hard. But yeah. it's, it doesn't, it's fine. It's sort of like, they're so accepting of gay people because they were in 70s San Francisco. They had a gay bookstore. They employed all gay people. They had um, these young people who were following Harvey Milk and getting full wow. body tattoos in the 70s. Like, yeah. which is wow. like so crazy to think about, like people being completely tattooed from head to toe. Yeah. 
but in the 70s and queer and doing all this activism, like grassroots activism and and drag and uh, all of the stuff. So it's very, um, they're very open to gayness and they're yeah. open to like the arts. <laughs> How did they come to own a gay bookstore? They had tried to, they wanted to buy uh a bookstore like City Lights in San Francisco. They wanted to have like this, this um, beatnik kind of like cafe bookstore. And then, um, so they found one that was going for sale and it was a gay bookstore. And then my dad went to meet with the owners and they got along really well. And he got along really well with um, the staff that were there. So um, my dad bought it. And um, so then the guy, the lead guy that sort of like managed everything, his name is Forbes. He's, he's great. He's um, British and, uh, He's very proper, but he is also like, um, he was a dresser for uh, Al Guinness in the theater, uh-huh. like in the 60s. So he's very British proper, but he's fully tattooed queen and sort of became my nanny. And then my, my he was in love with my father. Like oh, wow. they've, been, they've had this like platonic love affair their entire lives because my dad has that sort of like equipment to fall in love with men without the sexual component, I think. Mm, uh So Forbes is always like painting my dad, like, you know, portraits and they're all over his house, you know, down in San Diego. So it's like this thing of like their gayness, the gayness they really get Uh and they love, you know, and that's very different for a Korean like family in the 70s, you know, it's pretty, pretty outrageous. So that's like something that I've always kind of been in, you know, they kind of steeped me in gay culture really young. Yeah. How do they feel about stand-up comedy? They really don't understand that either. Yeah. <laughs> That's like something that they don't Still, have. They don't yeah. have that in Korea. They're like, we don't think it, we don't understand. We don't know, but it's okay. But they're so happy about where I've gone in my life and yeah, my career. And sure. they love the camera. So they're always like trying to get on stuff. <laughs> so they're definitely like, you know, gotten bitten by the showbiz yeah. bug. Yeah. So they show I people. mean, I want to watch a series about the gay bookstore in the 70s. Yeah. It'd for be sure. Cool. That'd be amazing. It'd be really yeah. cool. And all of the intrigue and relationships and, um, you know, like, but the pining for my father. My father's very vain. So yeah. he's like, <laughs> loves the male attention. Like, he just blooms yeah. under their gaze. He's like a hothouse flower. <laughs> it's very... <laughs> moving to see and it's so you know it's I think it's really darling like it's very it's something that you know you you don't think about like immigrants and and where in Korea now when they have a gay pride parade people go in disguise they they don't take photographs Mm -hmm. because people don't want to be recognized Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends in Korea who are in big like corporate jobs who can't be out you know and they Mm -hmm, they have to like sort of pretend in their jobs and pretend to their families that they're straight. And it's like, oh my God, this is like so horrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really, we have listeners around the world and a lot of times they'll like write in about their experiences. And it's just like a reminder that, you know, when, when we think that like, oh, things here are rough, like other places are even Mm -hmm. crazier and like there are very dangerous consequences for, for just being yourself. Totally. It's just crazy. It's so crazy. One of the things I I wanted to talk about was, so my mom, she's like very accepting and um, very supportive of me being gay. Uh, But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm into feminine women Mm -hmm. and that if I had ever brought home a 
butch or androgynous mm. uh, girlfriend, she would have been like, uh, I don't get it. Oh, yeah. What yeah, is yeah. it? You know, yeah. like a little bit of like that's too. Yeah. It's different. kind of like, it's sort of like 201 level, like kind of explaining the differences in aesthetic and like dynamics to my. Like to my mom, my mom and her husband are always very curious about everything, but it's like now they're just now, you know, through this, they're starting to learn what like cisgender means and mm-hmm. what like, yeah, like the kind of the beginning of like, you know, definitions and things like that. I but know. Even though I've been gay is, for a while, I feel like my mom is still at a 101 yeah. level mm-hmm. of, of understanding. And um, I don't know, like, did your mom ever meet any of your um, same sex partners yes. that you had? And there like, was, um, how did she feel about that? how they presented themselves. I think there was one butch that would, uh, she really loved me. And this was actually kind of inappropriate. I mean, you know, I think about that relationship now and how, I mean, I like if I, okay, so she was in her early 50s and I was like 18. Oh, wow. So, and I'm like, I loved her. She was super hot, yeah. super butch. Yeah. And was like, She'd been, she'd been like, used to like, be, like climb the telephone poles and like install the, like with a hard hat. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Install like those like things like that connected the telephone uh-huh. wires together. So <laughs> she was this, how did you meet her? Well, she was, she became a DJ. <laughs> you looked up one day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she became a DJ. Well, she was, she, she'd better. always yeah. been like, you know, really into music and yeah. was like this DJ and, and she would like, you know, DJ at all the clubs and she was older. And so. You know, she was actually my first like really significant relationship um, that I had with a woman, and that I um, so I had moved to LA and we'd broken up, but she would come by and see my mom, and it and they would just talk about me being gone, and I think about that now, and I think God, like I, it's like if I went to some eighteen-year-old girl's like place, like to talk <laughs> with her mom, and like I just couldn't. I mean, because she'd be my, my age yeah, now. Yeah. Like, but yeah. my mom was, like, really open to it, and she really liked her, and she was, but she was so butch. Like, it was, like, stone butch, like a 70s stone butch, which wow. is, like, you know, now maybe she would be transitioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at that point, it was, like, the stone butch. And I remember uh, her coming to a show with uh, her friend, her ex-girlfriend, femme, femme, older femme, uh-huh. And they were like, her, her <laughs> girlfriend was horrified because I was so young. Yeah. So I said my age in the show and the girlfriend was like. <gasps> oh, yeah. And I saw her like look at my girlfriend and like, like how yeah. that is, that, that is too much. But I was like crazy for this woman. So it wasn't like, I mean, I pursued her. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as sure. if um, it, it, it's sort of, we think of those relationships as being sort of predatory. Right. It's a predatory situation, but I, well, yeah. it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, in that case. Yeah. Of all the women that I know who, when they were 18, entered a relationship with a significantly older woman, it was always the younger one who pursued it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it was always people who came from more conservative families, and mm-hmm. it made it even harder for them to come out because not only did their families have to learn that they were queer, uh-huh. but that they were dating someone significantly older. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times the the fact that the problem with the age of the partner made yeah. the gay thing like a secondary thing was like, hold on, like Yeah, you are can't there, present too many like problems Yeah, like, like with it. what's like, going on yeah. here that you are dating somebody yeah. this old. That would have been a tough one for me to to do, I think. 
But how long did they like stay in contact after you guys broke up? I think a few months. And then, I mean, it was sort of like this thing of, um, you know, I just sort of stayed out of it. And then I was, you know, involved with somebody else. And then I couldn't really go back. And I haven't seen that woman for years and years. I'm sh- she's around. Uh-huh. She's I know that she's around, uh, but I uh, probably yeah, taking back down the telephone wire yeah. stuff yeah. that she put up because we don't need any cell phone towers. Yeah, um, definitely still hanging out with her exes. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> always. But she was very glamorous to me and very, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, very open. And I, I just thought like that's so lovely. But I think about like how old I am now, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder how I would feel. Yeah, I don't know if I could do that. I don't yeah. know if I could feel that way, or, and then my mother being very accepting of it, you mm-hmm. know, not really, not really concerned. You know, my mother's main concerns with me don't really have anything to do with relationships. They have more to do with like drugs and alcohol and things yeah. that are like real problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the the sort of relationships of people that they're sort of not not as um, maybe because all of my other circumstances have been so dire. Those are kind of like oh, this is. Just that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> she's like a man, you know. She's just like a man. I don't know why she's a lady, but she's a man. <laughs> That's like the greatest. Like the, I love that. The, fem- the female like uh, masculinity they're down with. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that because they've seen it so much. Yeah. You know, that um, the the performance of gender, um, has, they've always sort of respected that, whoever yeah. wanted to express it in any way. So that's always been sort of a, a nice thing for my family. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Do you think that there would have been a double standard had it been a 50-year-old guy that you brought home when you were 18? Maybe. Mm, Yeah. Maybe. um, And that would have been seen as more predatory. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have been with a 50-year-old guy at that yeah. If I was a young girl, I had that sort of thing too. Like I would always get, when I was a teenage girl, I got preyed upon by men so much. Yeah. Older men so much. Yeah. That I was really uh, suspicious of any overtures to yeah. that. So I don't think that I would have ever been with a, a significantly older man. I've never been with a significantly older man. Mm-hmm. Um, only older women. I think this is so common for everybody. I know yeah. we've talked about this before that like the most I've ever been hit on by men in my life was when I was 13, 14, yeah. 15. Yeah. Like, very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Concentrate around then when I was definitely going through an awkward phase. Right. But mm-hmm. that that's so scary to think about. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, I uh, remember just seeing a dick every day, like, out of context, oh, yeah. like you yeah. Know, yeah. walking down the street and looking at a car, and there's a dick. There's, yep. You know, yeah. just what you know. There's something about that age of 13, 14, 15, something about it that is so, uh, it attracts so much crazy male attention yeah. that you have to kind of block out to survive. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it's so threatening. Yeah. And it's just like, what is that? That is so weird. And for me, because I was in the uh, like early, early 80s, so then this is like, 70s, 80s, like it, it was still kind of sanctioned by society. So you had like tests, that movie with Nastasia Kinski, she's like 
15 or 16. Uh-huh. And there's like little darlings, which is, you know, the, the, they're like 12 or 13 years old and trying to fuck Armand Asante. Yeah. And he's like in oh, his 40s. God. Like it's like they had like this thing of like precocious sexuality was very in, like with Brooke Shields and right. yeah, that kind of stuff. So, you know, you had that to contend with as well. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I, I know. <laughs> the weird. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish my mom uh, could see like how, well, she's very obviously into this podcast, but um, I do think that she still misses a bit of my like feminine side that I used to have when I was mm. younger. Like she's very much into who I've, become she did show me a picture of you in makeup she always she, but she does the thing. she's <laughs> armed she's armed to the teeth with photos of me when i was like had long hair was yeah. in a, i was in a sorority Aww. i wore the like thing with the pearls in a photo uh-huh. she always has that like on demand ready to show to show which people. is really sweet yeah. but it's kind of like that is so not me anymore mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it it feels like she's sort of holding on to some of that mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit of that like, isn't my baby girl so beautiful? Yeah. And I'm like, thanks, mom, but I was really fucking uncomfortable then. Mm. That was actually like the worst part of my life, you yeah. know? I don't know. It's it's really sweet and the thought is there, but ugh, I can't really deal with it. No, my mom would be very upset if I cut my hair. Yeah. 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 If I got mm-hmm. like a pixie cut or mm-hmm. something like that. Like I tossed the idea out there once and she was like, no. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. you don't need to do that. <laughs> you don't need to look like one of those. I'm yeah. like, what do you mean one of those? Let's dig into this. And yeah. she's like, oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm like, but you're not fine with it. Like, let's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she was more. a big, when I, I remember coming out to my mom and it was on Thanksgiving day and I was like surrounded by, my, my three best friends were there and they were just like encouraging me, just do it, do it, do it. This was like 10 years ago. And my mom just like started sobbing and told me, she's like, you know, for all these, all these years, I thought you were just so, maybe you were just kind of weird, but now it makes <laughs> sense. You're gay. It was just like, <laughs> like that kind of, it was really sweet. Yeah. Um, but how, how, how old were you when you like told your parents that you're, you're bisexual? I think I was probably like 23. Yeah. Yeah. Or then I had to tell them again when I was like 27. And then I had to tell them again when <laughs> yeah. I had to do it a few times. Just do it sure. every year. There's like the summer Olympics. Yeah. Like, so oh, like, yeah, Olympics exactly. time. I got to tell them I'm bisexual was, I think, again. Yeah. yeah. It was just every couple of years. It was well, more time to the Whitney biennial. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like this thing of like, that you know, just didn't understand. But, you know, and I still will probably have to continue to do it. Yeah. But uh, now sort of my mission of it is sort of like uh, m- my mission in life is to try to remain unpartnered for the rest of my life. So as I have my first like 50 years, I've been like so partnered. Uh-huh. Yeah. So my next 50, I'm thinking I'm trying to be like not partnered. And so that's, we'll see how that – not that I'm an ace, uh-huh. yeah. a romantic or asexual. That's yeah. not the thing. But I think I want to try to see if I can just be solitary without a partner forever. Oh, that's we'll cool. See. Yeah. Uh, How's that going experiment. so far? I'm pretty good. Good, yeah. Great. <laughs> it's only been about three weeks. Yeah. yeah. But it's going good. <laughs> I love that. Was part of the um, decision to do that, I, I did read that you were in rehab a couple of years yes, back, yeah, right? Yes. Is, is that kind of part of the, the process? Like, I know people who go through yeah. that and kind of... Oh. Feel like they need yeah no that economy I, I no I um but yeah that would be great I think that would be great but it wasn't it wasn't that easy you know I was in rehab for I love if I could just like live in rehab I would love it like I stayed for <laughs> usually people for stay for like twenty eight days but I stayed for a year and a half yeah oh, wow. I really shine in an institution <laughs> and I really had a good time and I miss them 
but it's so you can't you can't live in that sort of a state. It's really mm-hmm. almost like just assisted living. So I was just kind of speeding up. <laughs> it's, it's, I was yeah. gonna say that's Definitely. how I feel about assisted living. Anytime I've been to visit uh-huh. an old person, I'm like they have activities. Yes. This is amazing here. It's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's great because they have activities. They get your food. You get you don't have to go to shopping. Oh you my god, that's amazing. Anything. No, they just take care of it, and then you just like go and you romp around. I mean. Yeah, and there's like all sorts of STDs at assistant living because they're all yeah. just fucking. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody just fucking doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah that's great. And when, I love it. When people don't show up to meals, they're like, wait a minute. They're very nervous about yeah. having to go check in yeah. the rooms because yeah. it's like either they're dead or they're having sex. Yes. Right. And those are the two so reasons fun. they missed a meal. I love it. <laughs> I wonder if the staff places bets. Like, what do you think? Dead or fucking? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure they do. It's yeah. so um, fun. Yeah. So I like I like the idea of assisted living. So maybe um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would go sooner, but um, but yeah, no. I just I had a relationship after and which is now ending. So now it's sort of like, well, I want to just see because I've had partners for so long. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I just there's just been a never-ending chain of them. So what if I just sort of like said, okay, what if I just kind of see if I could go at this alone? Yeah, yeah. man, I've tried that before, and then yeah. It, Every time I'm like, I'm going to be single for like at least a year. And then I'm like, oh, you want to date me? Okay, let's get married. Yeah. 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 It's like always my impetus to really like, you know, get the U-Haul. I'm like a very like severe U-Haul lesbian Uh problem. Yeah. But then that just leads to lesbian bed death. Yeah. No matter who you're with. Yeah. You know, so it's like you just have to like slow it down and just see what separate lives look like. I think that's my goal and yeah. we'll see what happens. Cool. Um, have you talked, do you like talk to your mom about this kind of stuff? Like when you're going through it, is she somebody that you open up to about your personal life or is it just more like a need to know basis information? It's more of a need to know because she's like, scared because she like falls in love with anybody I'm with. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. I stop being with them, she's like really upset. Yeah. That's my mom too. I'm yeah. very careful about who I tell her that I'm with because mm-hmm. she, t- she is such a lovely, wonderful, loving person yeah. who just has love brimming from all, you know, yeah. over um, at all times. And, and she does develop like attachments to people. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I'll still follow them on Instagram. And, yeah. you, know, and I'm like, oh, so, you know, I had to tell my mom to stop sending my ex Christmas cards. I'm like, I Aww. cut her out of my life. And she's like, I know, but <laughs> she doesn't have a good relationship with her mom. And oh, she yeah. called me mom. Aww. I'm like, okay, but. You can't. Yeah. It's so sad. I know. It's sad. It's hard because they just, they want to, I think it's mostly like they want to get to know you in a different way too. Mm -hmm. Like I think people, like parents get to a stage where I would like to know my child more than just my child. I want to know who my child is as a partner, as a friend, as a lover even, you know, Mm -hmm. that there's something to that like, and in different stages of your life, you want to like know more about who you're going through this journey with. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's a lot too. I think that my family is. They they just want to know. Yeah. Those things that are unknowable for mm-hmm. them. So but then they then but my mother is like really attached. So I just like I get kind of like, oh I don't want you to Yeah. Just I don't want you to this person's not gonna be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do, you have siblings? Yeah, I have one brother. One brother. He's um he's five years younger, but it's like we have a totally different experience of childhood. Yeah. Because um 
when I was born, my parents were really struggling. There was no money. My dad got deported. When my brother was born, my dad got to come back and they had a business that was really successful. So, and he's a boy. Mm -hmm. So it's just like we're very different memories of our lives. Yeah. You know, and so, um, but he's great. He's like so perfect for them and they're very happy with him. He, um, is getting married and he's like really excited and his, his, um, you know, fiance is great. She has kids. It's beautiful. So it's like, I'm really glad because like the pressure's off me. Yeah. Yeah. And I have some grandkids now. So it's yeah, like, okay. That's great. <laughs> it's cool. Is that ever something you wanted? I did. I thought so. I mean, I would look at like Rosie O'Donnell and I'd be like, oh man, mm-hmm. so great. Have yeah. all these kids. She had all these kids and like she, at that time she was living in this like compound where she had like five houses yeah. in like this like boat slip. And so that was like all of these houses and all these children as like that, that just seemed like this wonderful thing where you're, you're um, surrounded by all this love. I mean, I know that it's not the easiest, yeah. yeah, but there was an idea of like, Oh, that would be great to have children. Or I, I do have like a lot of younger friends and I like that energy, mm-hmm. you know, so it just seemed like a good thing. But I, um, every, like the times that I got pregnant, I was just like, Oh no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Like I get really scared. Like something's yeah. like living in my body. I don't want to. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really freaky when something's alive in your body. Oh. I've, I haven't experienced that yet, but uh, yeah, I imagine it's yeah. super weird. Especially it is it weird to think you. about. Yeah, it, ki- it starts kicking, and you think about that scene in Alien, and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's very bizarre. It's super weird, and it just was like I don't want to like I can't. I mean, I can't sublet. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, it's like, I can't have my hobby having my lease. Yeah. It's like a very, like, I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, and I'm so glad that, you know, I had the freedom to say, I'm not having this child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I'm not, I'm not going through with this pregnancy. Like, that's the thing of like, it's so important for us to like reserve this right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I had a, I had a, a, an abortion in New York that was really great. It was like, I know that you should, I don't. Should you give reviews for abortions? I think so. <laughs> On Yelp, absolutely. Yeah. Five stars. Yeah. Um, I had this five star abortion in. Um, it was a. It was a menstrual extraction. Okay. Where it was legal in New York, and it was so easy because I've had like the other kinds of abortions that are really painful and that yeah. you take forever to recover from. Uh-huh. This one I didn't even need any drugs for. They just they just menstru- do it like in the first like oh. They, like it's a first trimester thing, but I think it's early and they have to just like suck it out. It's yeah. like a tube and you just suck it out really easily. Yeah. No pain. Oh, great. And it was really cheap and it's like illegal most places, the menstrual extraction. I can't believe that. And, we, and we're, we're literally watching those rights slip out of our fingers. I know. Like, it's in different states. It is fucking it's so terrifying. terrifying. And it makes me wonder like at what point, at what point are like, cis straight men or just cis men in general going to realize how dire it is and that we're not fucking hysterical. No. This is real. Yeah. Our rights are being taken away and The Handmaid's Tale is not that far from reality. It's not that far from reality. Really not. not at all. I mean, it's, yeah. it, that's one of the things I just want to shake people, especially men, to to realize yeah. that like we're not just sitting in a circle shrieking about something. Like this is it's real. literally happening right in front of our faces. Well, even in, in Georgia, that they were trying to have it be a law that you couldn't go out of state to get an that's, abortion. That's what do, what do, why? Are you going to stop yeah. people at the Alabama border? Yeah. Is there a checkpoint? Do? I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. And that's where it starts feeling like that is Handmaid's Tale. That is. Like yeah. they're, they're tracking women. It is. Like, are we going to have to send in reports on when we're menstruating? And like, Well, I just read something that um, one of the period tracker apps i don't know which one it was is like has been selling sending se- selling oh, the God. data to facebook about no. because you input like 
Um, it's one of the apps that monitors like your ovulation right. and like yeah. your and you can input when you had sex last yeah. and like yeah that All fucking data that's is going not to Facebook. That's cool. Isn't that crazy? That is not cool. I mean, it's like yeah, they're tracking you so that they can um, you know like blind you with this propaganda yeah, yeah. and this like fear mongering and they, they just like attack you like to intimidate you into doing something you don't want to do absolutely yeah. I mean best case scenario that data is used to like sell you things you know like yeah. sell you prenatal vitamins things like that that's best case which still right. fucking is terrible yeah but yeah. that's the best case scenario there yeah it's, I read about that this morning I was like this is fucking crazy yeah it's so crazy it's so but it's like what are you going to do with all these children then? Like, exactly. what are you going to do with all of yeah. these people who have kids that didn't want it? Because you have to, like, give up your life. It's mm-hmm. like a huge, huge commitment. And yeah. you're to bring somebody else into this. Yeah. Like, it's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah. No. Is abortion something that, that you talked about with your mom? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that that's, they kind of, like, they get really upset. I think my mom gets really upset, but she can't. She knows, like, it just wouldn't be right, you know, but mm-hmm. she loves yeah. kids. Like, she loves kids. So it's very, it's something that, like, it's 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 definitely something that we don't agree on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that she understands, like, oh, yeah, people have to have the right to do what they want. Yeah. And my dad is the same way. They, people have to have the right to do what they want, but we just wish that you didn't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. That's the sort of attitude, I think. That I don't know. Oh, no, no, I can take care of you. <laughs> kind of the... Well, I don't know. <laughs> that yeah, kind yeah. Of like, yeah. Doesn't let it like lie, but to just they do want they do want kids. I mean, they just think of like all of the, you know, all of the kids that could have they could have had all their friends' kids who have kids, all that yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. So yeah. Feels like they're missing out. Were you one of the first comics who talked about having? Um, immigrant parents and using so. using an yeah. accent. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. For Asian Americans anyway. Yeah, for sure. Or definitely, yeah, for, for Asian Americans. For Asians, I just wonder yeah. if some people, I don't know, because it, it became like such your, your thing, mm-hmm. like talking about your mom that way, mm-hmm. that other people, like, I mean, like I have... Um, a French father mm-hmm. and I can't talk about him without doing his ridiculous yeah. voice. Yeah. So important. That's <laughs> because part that's of how it. he sounds in my head. If I say anything that he uh-huh. would say without that, I'm like, yeah. that sound, that doesn't even sound like, you like have it to came do it from like him. a cartoonish French voice. Yeah. <laughs> his isn't even like a regular French accent because mm-hmm. he learned English in Germany from British people. Oh, so okay. he kind of talks like Arnold Schwarzenegger a little bit. It's it's very mm. bizarre. Yeah. But yeah. And then he's like always yelling, even though right. I like stop yelling. I'm not yelling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wonder if just like other comedians are like apprehensive to do that because they're like, oh, that's like no, Margaret's thing. No, mm-hmm. I think it's it's it's, a, it's just part of a legacy of yeah. um, you know, like being um of the generation where you're like the first generation born here. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. you you have like these these foreign parents that you need to sort of express. Yeah. Um, so I think that yeah, well there's a lot of that people people do it in their comedy, a lot of Asian American comedians do it in their comedy, but I think it's it's also sort of a tradition. Like I guess before us maybe it was people who were like um Russian Jewish, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah. um, you know, people from the old country. Something that, or like Italians, or yeah. something like that, like the where they're, you know, it's sort of every sort of fa- phase of immigration, you know, over a wave, every generation has their comedians. Yeah, yeah, and it's such like a a rich 
source of of material. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, my mom is always wishing that I talked about her more in my stand up. Oh, mm-hmm. I think she's just like she wants to be famous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And my dad too, but my dad he he's like, you know, anything you ever want to joke about, you can. I'm like, I don't think you mean that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do want to test this a little bit, but I don't I don't think you mean that. Yeah. Yeah. For a while I was telling jokes about how because my dad my mom says it's because he was French, uh, but I don't think it had anything to do with being French. But my dad walked around naked a lot, like mm. when I was growing up. Mm. So I was constantly avoiding looking at my dad. Mm-hmm. Just like anytime I, I sensed he was in the yeah. room, I'm like, there's like a 50% <laughs> chance that he's yeah. naked right now. Mm-hmm. There's not, a yelling like, naked Frenchman in the living room. <laughs> It'd be like if if he's like getting ready and like going between like the yeah. bathroom and the bedroom or whatever, he's not gonna like make a point of yeah. Covering that feels maybe up. like a European kind of like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thing. So I used to make jokes about that a lot. I feel like my mom would be more horrified if I was on stage talking about my dad's penis. Yeah, than he would be. <laughs> that's a tough one for audiences to take in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it probably gets mixed reactions. I think it does. I kind of <laughs> dropped it. <laughs> They're like, "Where is she going with this?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we're gonna quickly move to our listener question that we have, and Margaret, feel free to to chime in. Okay. Um, this person says, "I haven't come out to my dad yet. He's the kind of guy I call and we talk about the weather, our next race we're running in, and then hang up the phone. How do you drop that little nugget between weather and running without getting written out of the will? Um, to make it even more confusing, I was married to a man for twelve years, all the while sleeping with women. Wow, mm. well, good for you. Well, congrats on having a will to to think about. Yeah, yeah. Either <laughs> my parents have anything to leave me. So, <laughs> right? Oh my god. No, that was kind of a flex. Um, <laughs> Oof. Uh, I have a very different relationship with my dad than my mom. So they're divorced and remarried to wonderful people. But my dad and his wife are very conservative. I came out to them precisely one time. And we simply haven't talked about it since then. Mm. And it's been about four years. Uh, It was on a boat in New York City, which is a weird place to... I felt like it was a captive audience. I Mm -hmm. was like, he can't go anywhere right now. Yeah, yeah. That's a tough one because I have a very similar dynamic. We talk about like... The, the weather's always a, a, the first thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, we talk about sports a little bit, like very regionally specific sports teams. And that's about it. Thank God my sister had a few kids that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but that's hard. I mean, you're going to, you're basically just going to have to like shoehorn that in somewhere. Like it's going to be an uncomfortable thing to bring up. Mm-hmm. I think you can send an email. You yeah, can write I think it. Yeah. 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 I think writing's a good way because, um, uh, it sounds like there's a formality too that uh, they uh, operate with, mm-hmm. and that so writing a letter would actually be appropriate and probably easier for both parties. Yeah, yeah, I think that if it's if he's the kind of dad that's uncomfortable with talking about anything that's like a little bit emotional or that yeah. you know, a, a lot of times like parents are afraid of like reacting the wrong mm-hmm. way or whatever. So a letter gives them time to sit. Yeah. And process. He and seems digest. like the kind of dad that would appreciate the structure of bullet points. Yeah. So yeah. definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's a good idea. And like a, a sensible font, Times New Roman, something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then add P.S. Keep me in the will. Yeah. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. Um, so, Margaret, you have your podcast, The Margaret Show. Where yes. can people follow you and find out about upcoming shows? Um, they can find out at my website, margaretcho.com. And then also I'm on Twitter at Margaret Cho, on Insta at Margaret underscore Cho. 
then um, I'm sort of out and everywhere. So that's yeah, great. Come see me. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being on Diking Out. Thank you. This has been a treat. Uh, you guys can follow us on social media at Diking Out on all the platforms. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. And I'm at the Sarah York. Thanks for Diking Out this week. Dike out with us again. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.